0: This is VLX number 121, Treasure in Heaven. We are in Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 to 22. VLX stands for Video Lexio Divina, your patristic Bible study and Ignatian prayer series in video and podcast format. God give you his peace and nomine patris et spiritu santi amen. God, our oh Lord, we ask the grace that all of our intentions, actions, and operations be directed purely to the service and praise of your divine majesty. in amen. So today we are actually going to do the same VLX as last time, kind of calling this an interlude, but there's something kind of big I missed last time. I think you're going to enjoy this even more than the last one on Matthew 19, 16 to 22. So we're actually going to go a little bit deeper into that, especially in the imaginative way of prayer. So let's read that section again from Matthew 19. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Thus are the words of the Holy Gospel. Okay, so I mentioned last time that Mark, you know, today we're in St. Matthew, of course, as we have been for two years, if you can believe that. But in the similar passage in St. Mark, we found that very interesting line not found in St. Matthew, but it's the same event. It's the same rich young man. We're going to talk about why St. Mark put this line in there that Christ looked at him and loved him. So let's jump right in. Why did St. Mark say that, but not St. Matthew? Well, i don't know but here's my suspicion saint peter is the one who dictated the gospel of saint mark to saint mark uh maybe not verbatim but saint mark wrote this at the inspiration of the holy ghost with the um help of saint peter perhaps it was fully dictated by the holy spirit through saint peter i don't really know but it was definitely um, saint peter was one of the human instruments who was key to the writing of saint mark we know that for sure um And here's why I think we hear this in St. Mark, and this is going to be kind of our launching point for today's interlude on the same section we did last time. It's that I believe that St. Peter would have seen that same look to the rich young man in Mark 10 because, here's the key to today's whole podcast, because Christ gave that same look of love to Peter when Peter denied him at his passion. Okay, now we're going to see a little bit later that look that Jesus gives to Peter right when Peter's denying Jesus. That's not just in Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ. That, actually, that scene comes from Luke's gospel, directly from Luke's gospel, that look of love from Christ to St. Peter. And so that is why I believe that line is included in Mark but not Matthew. So St. Mark writes in chapter 10, And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. So notice right there in Mark 10, 21, we read, Jesus looked at him and loved him. So again, Peter, who mostly dictated that gospel to Mark, includes that. And the Greek is this, Jesus, and blepsas autu agapesan auton. And agapesan, that's just the aorist, which is the past conjugation of that word. Most of you know agape. Jesus, and that means he looked at. Auto is him. agapesan auton, he loved him. So this is how Jesus, as we talked about last time, challenges this young man. Now let's fast forward a year later when Jesus is arrested and Peter. Peter sees this but he distances himself from Christ in Luke 22. Remember Jesus is beginning his passion and he's being beat up in Caiaphas's house. And Peter's just outside Caiaphas's home that cold night, denying that he even knows Jesus. We read this in Luke 22. But Peter said, "Man, I do not know what you are talking about." And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now, many of you have heard that gospel passage many times at Mass, but I think many times we've really forgotten or didn't actually listen to those words. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So we can extrapolate from this. That means there must have been a window or a door in Caiaphas's house, through which Peter just happened to look when Jesus was getting beat up, and then randomly their eyes meet. In fact, it had to be at that perfect moment when Jesus was thrown from say one hit to the other, since we know that their eyes met only when Jesus turned. That verb "turned" is in there, Luke twenty-two sixty-one. Strafeses hokurios, strapheses turn around, and hokurios—that's where we get the word kyrie, as in Lord, Kyrie eleison means Lord, have mercy. Straphe Hocurios, the Lord turned around and eblepsen, that's the same word for look that we heard in Matthew or rather Mark 10 with the young man, right, right after Jesus loved the young man and looked at him. We have the same verb in Luke 22. And to Petro, so he looked at Peter. And so what was Jesus turning from? Strapheson, son, what was he turning from? Well, whoever's beating him up, everything that was happening illegally to Jesus that night, that dark night at Caiaphas's home. And as you know, it's totally illegal in Jewish law to have a trial at night. But they broke every rule that night that Jesus' passion began. And then what? It said, And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Again, that same verb, and we find in Mark 10, 21. So imagine Jesus turning to look at Peter at this moment. And of course, it makes sense, total sense why the very next verse says that St. Peter went out and wept bitterly. Yes, St. Peter wept all night after Jesus turns to look at him as he denies him. As Jesus is dying for Peter, Peter denies him and and their eyes meet. It's right there in Luke's gospel, not just the movie. So Peter leaves and tradition tells us he wept in a cave in perfect contrition all night. In fact, there's still a church to this day on Mount Zion in Jerusalem called St. Peter Gallicantu. That means St. Peter at the Cockcrow. Still a church up today. And in the center of the sanctuary, inside that church, there's an icon of Peter in a cave, weeping, and under it has the Latin, Et aggressus fortis petrus flebit amari. Peter went out and wept bitterly. That's Luke 22:62. 62. So just one verse after what we just studied. But how do we know that Christ looked at Peter with love? Well, first, because Christ is God, and it says in the Bible, God is love, so everything he does is love. But secondly, as I said earlier, we know that St. Peter is the one who dictated the gospel of St. Mark to St. Mark, so he would have seen that same look to the rich young man in Mark 10, 21, Christ looking at the young man, same verb to look at. So maybe if you're doing the imaginative way, get creative in this. Imagine you are in Rome sometime between the resurrection of Jesus and the martyrdom of St. Peter. Peter's, became, Peter's getting to the point of being an older man. And imagine you're in this peaceful dark room somewhere in Rome with St. Peter and St. Mark. And St. Peter, again, is this older man. Martyrdom's maybe six months away, six months in his future. But here you are in this room in a cool spring night in Rome, and here you have St. Peter dictating a candlelight to St. Mark, looking back, remembering both those two events almost as one. Jesus looking with love at the rich young man on the way, and Jesus looking with love at Peter as he denies him. And notice, as you're listening, if you place yourself in this room between these two saints, place yourself and notice how it is really the love and the goodness of God, more than St. Peter's guilt, which leads St. Peter to perfect contrition. And since we will be pretty heavy on the apophatic, the study method next time, let's just review the cataphatic way, the imaginative way of St. Ignatius of Loyola and Teresa of Avila. This is the four parts of the cataphatic way of St. Teresa of Avila. The first is the selection of material and preparation of meditation. This is that dual part I already have set up for you today. Place yourself in Rome, right between St. Mark and St. Peter. St. Peter is dictating at candlelight to St. Mark these two events. This leads us to part two of St. Teresa's four parts. The second part is consideration. And this is where you ask yourself, who is here in this scene? What is he doing? Why is he doing it? And what does it mean to me? As you've heard me say a thousand times before, this is traditional Catholicism. I know this might seem a little bit experiential base to some of you, but this is straight from St. Teresa of Avila. So this is where you can picture in today's section, you're in Rome, again, at candlelight. And remember, you are privy to this intimate moment between these two saints, recounting their God, their friend, and their savior. Okay, number three is conversation with Christ. Father Peter, the old school Carmelite writes, the soul begins to talk slowly to Christ, telling him of its love for him, its desire to serve him, its willingness to do anything for him. He adores Christ in the scene of the day's meditation. He expresses his love for him, thanks him for past gifts, petitions him for new favors in the future. You know, all through seminary, I was always asking God, show me how much you love me. But really the traditional way is we're supposed to show God how much we love him. Of course, his love for us is infinite and we can't reach that level of infinite love, will participate that in that more in heaven. If we make it there, please God, we will participate in that infinite love to a much greater degree than on earth. But if you notice how the great saints in 2,000 years talk about prayer, really, we're supposed to be looking for what we can do for Christ. Why? Because he's already died for us. We already know he's given everything. So this is why in prayer we should start to be looking what we can do for him. And so when we read what Father Peter, that old-school Carmelite, says about our discussion with Jesus, just remember that that doesn't have to be loud or sloppy or weepy. It can include tears for sure, but in this part of the conversation, it's usually the thanksgiving in the silence of mental prayer. Again, it doesn't have to be loud or sloppy or weepy. This is the thanksgiving for what Christ has done for us, wanting to do as much as I can back for him in this silence of mental prayer saint Teresa of Avila also says you can place yourself in the physical presence of christ talk with him laugh with him and confide in him instead of using formal prayers extemporaneously express your interests this will result in rapid progress so notice right there you don't have to be a saint to talk to jesus as a friend as long as you also adore him as god and savior And then finally, we have gratitude or resolution. That's the fourth part of the imaginative way. And this is when you wrap up your 15 minutes or your 30 minutes or your 45 minutes or your hour with gratitude for what God has given you in life and in prayer. And maybe go forth with small resolutions. You don't want to have very ambiguous resolutions at the end of every mental prayer section. Have small concrete ones at the end of every day. Or at least just have thanksgiving if you get overwhelmed in resolutions too quickly like I do. So even though today is a redo, I'm calling today's VLX Treasure in Heaven. So let's just finish by summarizing how Jesus looks at love with these two different men. We have that rich young man. And remember, this rich young man, he kind of wants to show everybody how willing he is to follow Jesus. Or at least how good he is at the commandments. But in the end, he goes away sad because he realizes the requirements. Where in the section, at least starting with Jesus' passion, St. Peter's kind of the opposite because Jesus does look at him with love. Peter denies him. But then what happens? Well, then he turns around and he becomes not only a great pope, but a great martyr. Now, St. Peter, of course, repented in all of that. But why do we know about this, especially through St. Mark, if tradition tells us that Peter especially dictated to St. Mark? Well, it's kind of the opposite of the hierarchy today. The hierarchy today wants to hide all their sins. St. Peter actually wanted the early Christians to know how seriously he messed up. He wanted them to know the first pope uh, really, really blew it. And this was where all the grace came in for him to, um, after he denied Jesus three times, of course, you all know, at the charcoal pit at the resurrection, he got the chance to tell Jesus he loves him three times. And so this all reminds me a little bit of that parable in Matthew 21. Christ says in that parable, What do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? So I call this the parable of the unwilling servant. One was willing, but never actually stepped up to the plate. The other fell away from the plate, but ultimately stepped up to the plate. So this shows us acta non verba, deeds, not words, matter a lot more in the kingdom of God. This is the true treasure in heaven, to lose everything for Christ on earth and gain what the Roman martyrology repeatedly says is that better life, that better life in heaven. Please say an Our Father, for me, et benedictio deum nepotentis, Patri se et spiritu santi, descendet super vos sit manet semper. Amen.